This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Hone your development skills at learn.thoughtbot.com. I like woke up like sore throat and a cough. Mm. I think it's a combination of uh, air travel and changing climates. Yeah. And just, you know, everything being the worst. <laughs> allergies? <laughs> Those three things. Do you get, do no. you get, you didn't get allergies? No, I'm not allergic to anything. So lucky. Man, I got to pump so many drugs every morning, just like pills and nasal sprays and everything, just to like be even keeled. (laughs) These are the things keeping you alive. Basically, yeah. Hey, everybody. This is Gordon in Boston. And this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Build Phase. Uh, I'm tired. I had like way, 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 way too much coffee this morning. Like, <laughs> like, like. I mean, just sitting there going, like, what the hell did I do to myself? <laughs> I need to stop this kind yeah. of too much coffee. Uh, and I've just been crashing ever since like noon. Did and it then, get bad yeah. enough where you start seeing things in your periphery, like things that no. aren't there? No, I just get super jittery, and then I start. Focusing on like, I became super aware that I had of all the different open source things or or internal, you know, theoretically at some point would be open, like all the little internal projects and open source things that I needed to do today. I opened up my um, pull request tab on GitHub and I was immediately just like panic mode. <laughs> like, like, oh God, there's so many of these here. Like stuff that I had opened throughout the week and that I had to take care of. And I wanted to get a liftoff release out today. And but it worked. You were on a tear. You, you did a whole day's worth of work in the morning. Yeah, at least. It, it, yeah, I mean, that's the coffee, right? I just couldn't. I, it was like a shark. Like if I stopped, <laughs> if I stopped, <laughs> I'd die. I just had to keep moving. <laughs> Try to burn it out of my system. <laughs> uh, when I get too much coffee, I see things. In like the the sides of my vision, yeah, like just things that aren't there, like someone Specific you know I'll think or? like so like I'll think like I see someone walk right past me and I'll look and there's no one there. Nothing. Yeah, you're. Or alone. maybe, or maybe <laughs> yeah. I'm just not I'm not just messed up on coffee. I'm actually like I become like a ghost whisperer <laughs> yeah. in the presence of caffeine. Yeah, that pro- that seems more likely. <laughs> yeah, General Lee, <laughs> what are you doing here? Oh, man. I help people move on. Yeah. That's good. You're doing you're doing good work, man. <laughs> uh, so what do we want to talk about? Two weeks out from WWDC. I have no idea what they're gonna announce. No, me neither. I'm definitely already like putting arguments together for my current client to see if I can talk them into going iOS eight only. <laughs> Just because no matter what they add, I wanna use it. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to use precedent to push that because I'm going to be like, last year, just started a project, iOS 7 came out, and we're like, well, no, we're going to ship before iOS 7 ships, so no, let's not do that. Yeah. We shipped five months after iOS right. 7 shipped. Right. Yeah, this this client, they want to ship like in August, and I'm like, okay, well, this is going to work out really well then because that's that's exactly, you know, that's about mm-hmm. the time when iOS 8 is going to hit and, you know. You know, going iOS 8 only and adopting some new features, that's a great way to get featured. That's huge, a great argument huge, to make. Huge, 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 yeah. If you're day one, iOS 8, I think the number of apps that are, and it's not just like day one, iOS 8, but day one, iOS 8 only, 
using new features and doing it well. I mean, that sounds like a lot when I list it all out, but your chances of getting featured just like skyrocket. I feel like, yeah, they're looking, they're looking for stuff to feature as opposed to like, at this point, it's like a grab bag. You know what I mean? They, they're like, Oh, well, what's a cool, innovative, interesting app that we can put on the store or, you know, that we haven't already featured and then that, you know, doing that kind of stuff. But not that you have to do less to get featured at the launch of the new OS, but even if not, you're not featured in the app store, you'll, you'll get press, mm-hmm. tech press. Mm-hmm. You get yeah. written up about. Yeah. Do you have any, any like big WWDC wishlist items that you want to see happen? The one that's kind of been floated about was um, like better inter app communication, mm-hmm. which I think it now has, we've been without it long enough that that really should be the thing that, that happens this year. You know, Android yeah. and Windows Phone have had this for two or three years now with like Intense and um, whatever the other one's called. Contracts something? Uh, that sounds Phone familiar. One? Yeah. Yeah. The, I think it's something that just really, really, really needs to happen. Yeah. I mean, like you look at all that, the like what it takes now to implement interrupt communication with these super hacky roundabout ways of doing like conforming to URL protocols and and having to find those and having to set them up properly and you're still just you know there there are hacks on top of it like that what's the what's the x callback do you know what I'm talking about there's like a informal spec someone created years and years ago for how do you you know, if I send my user to an application mm-hmm. and then I want them to be able to send that user back to me when they're done. So, like, it was a big thing in uh, one of the dictionary apps, and I can't remember which one it is, but there was the guy that designed this callback scheme, this URL scheme. And I remember Instapaper was the first one that did it, right? So, like, or the first one that I heard about. So, Instapaper would use this URL scheme and they'd send a user over to this dictionary app to get a definition of a word. And then there would be a button in that app that says, like, return to Instapaper. And you click that, and it would send you back to where you were in Instapaper. So, so you call an app via their URL scheme. And you pass it. And then you send some arguments. It's like, here's the name of my app, and yep. here's, like, a way to call me back. Yep, exactly. Launch me again. I got exactly. it. Exactly. But that's just so crazy. One, the user has to leave the app. Like, that alone makes it kind of a weird proposition. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Two, like the amount of stuff that I have to implement to make that work is just kind of annoying. You know what I mean? Like if I don't need to have deep linking in my app for any reason except for this, then that's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Versus something like, you know, all this talk about remote view controllers and being able to just say like, here's a view controller and it could be instantiated and then presented to the user and they could do stuff and they never leave the context of your app. But that view controller be, can be skinned however the, you know, the app wants it to be. Like I, that could just open up so many things in so many apps, you know? Right. So, so you're talking about like if there's some view controller that this other app provides and then it will really like sort of just run on top of your app, but they're still separated by a process. Right. Right. So but, it's like – yeah. But not even not. I would like it if it doesn't even take interaction. If I don't even have to define it, right? So maybe, like the way Android does it is kind of cool, right? So like 
applications in Android can say, I can do these things. So like if I want to let users add a task, for example, from my app, maybe it's a, a Twitter client, and I want to be let users send a tweet to their task management app. Instead of like the way it is now, obviously you have to implement you have to say like, well, things is a task management client, so I'll add that. And OmniFocus is a task management client, so I'll add that. And then, you know, reminders and Yeah. There's just like there's so many freaking task management apps. It's it's silly. You're never gonna get all of them. Instead, if there was some kind of action that I could say, here's what I want to do, right? It's more declarative. Like here here's what I want to do. You as the system figure out what can do this thing that I want to do. You know what I mean? Share a picture. Um, we have some of that, right? With the open in, like registering for document types. That's a start, but it's not it's not all the way yet. Yeah, document interaction controller and the sort of activity view controllers. I feel like we have a bunch of pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, XPC has been around for a couple of years, although not public. Mm-hmm. It, it's all kind of there. It just yeah. needs to get tied together. We need an abstraction on top of like handling every combination of inner app action that we want to do. They can even start it with a subset. You know what I mean? Like start it with a subset of actions. Like have you ever looked at Overshare Kit and what they're doing? Not not taking a deep look. I I get the gist. They they declare specific kinds of actions that you can do. So it's like a short form, like a microblog post or a image or a message. I, I don't I don't know all the types, but they they just define these these specific types of actions that you can do. And then services register for those actions. So then if you say I need to perform a microblog post action here, OvershareKit just says, cool, here are all the things I have that are registered for microblog that action. Same thing. You know, I mean you could do that on the OS level. You could do that with a P list and a class name, basically. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You create a remote view controller class. We're getting into weird hypothetical territory. But in your P list, you could say, you know, remote view controller types and like key value kind of stuff. You'd say, for this action, present this view controller. For this action, present this view controller. So as a developer of a library that supports this kind of stuff, then you'd create this view controller that can stand on its own outside of the context of your application. And then as a client trying to implement that stuff, you just say, I have this thing. I would like to perform this action with it. And then it presents essentially a share sheet and presents the user with choices. That'd be great. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think, I think Overshare Kit does it right is my point. And it's one of those weird things where I'd love to s- not love to see them obsoleted. That sounds mean, but they do it right enough that I would like to see that kind of a thing as a solution, like an official solution provided by Apple, because they could do that and make it better. I don't think there's much to this rumor about um, split screen support no, for the I, iPad. I don't know. I ignore a lot of like rumors, honestly. I, I yeah. it's an extension of what we were just talking about, right? Is it? Yeah. It's like pe- people think interact communication, and they're thinking of it from a, a visual perspective. It's right. like I want to grab this text here and drag it over into this app here. Uh, that may come. It will come in iOS eight. I highly doubt it. I just don't. Yeah, it's going to seriously make. Everything about launching apps and switching apps majorly complex. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm also not the target market for that kind of stuff. Like all those rumors about that kind of stuff and like larger iPhones and 
all that stuff. I'm just kind of like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I don't care. I don't want to use that stuff. I'm not going to use that stuff. They're still beating the NFC drum. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not going to happen. I've <laughs> been saying this since before the iPhone four came out, like iPhone four is going to have NFC, Yeah, you know, Apple yeah. wallet, whatever. Yeah. And then every year since, okay, 4S, definitely <laughs> NFC this year, definitely. And talking to component suppliers. Yeah, right. I just saw it. I just saw it the other day, iPhone 6, to have NFC. I, uh, no. <laughs> they wouldn't have gone through all the trouble of, you know, iBeacons. Right. And folding that into core location. Right. It's a much better solution than NFC. Right. I do like this proposal that Renee Ritchie made on iMore about the uh, privacy sheets. Did you see this? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't read a lot of it. I saw the kind of mock up, and I didn't. That's all you need to see. Okay. It's it's basically you know you say I want access to these things. It composes those into like right. a proper view controller instead of alerts. So my only problem with that is that then you get the Android problem, which Android has that kind of a thing now, right? Where you install it when you install an app, they say here's everything this application needs. You know what I mean? It can be overwhelming for some apps specifically. Uh, you know. It may need a bunch of stuff, and they have a, a lot more entitlements than than we do, just because they're looser with them, I guess. You know what I mean? So there's more for them to choose. Devs don't do it right, but I think that it's a strength that we can postpone asking for permissions for these things until we actually need them. I think that's a good thing on totally. iOS because I don't have to bug you about, for example, location or contacts. You know what I mean? Here, that's a good example. Like. I don't have to upfront be like, hey, I would love to have access to your contacts. And then you're going like, why the hell would you need access to my contacts? You know what I mean? And you may never even touch that part of the app. But if I do it right, the second you hit, oh, I want to add a contact to this, whatever. And it then it says, this app would like to access your contacts. There's context there. You know, as yeah. a user, it's obvious about like, Oh, okay, I literally just asked them to get this information, so it makes sense that they would then ask me for it right now. You know, mm -hmm. so you're not you're never confused about what it why it needs access. You don't say yes to stuff at the beginning, and then when you actually access it later, be like, "What the hell? Why did you? How are you getting access to my contacts? I never gave you access." You know? Yeah, it'd be like if uh, the first time you launch Instagram, it's like. We'd love to get access to your microphone. <laughs> right. And you're like, uh, why? Right. You know, because most people are just going to look through photos at first. And then right. and you decide to post and then you decide, hey, this should be a video. Yeah. You know, then ask then for the should, microphone. Yeah. Not on first run. That's the way you're supposed to do it, right? That's the proper way to do it is to hold off on asking for permission for anything until you actually need to access that thing. But, you know, people are lazy and it's easier to just dump all that stuff into did finish launching. Yeah. We did that on the last project I was on. But as you're moving through this sort of onboarding flow, mm -hmm. we had individual screens that kind of like set you up for the things that we absolutely did need, mm -hmm. basically for the app to function correctly, mm -hmm. which were Bluetooth and core location. So in addition to just the alert, you would hit the screen first that says Bluetooth. And it would explain, like, here's why we're going to use Bluetooth yeah. with, with more words than you can cram into an alert. Right. Then when you hit continue, then we pop the alert. You agree to the alert. We move on to the location one. We say, okay, once we have your location, we can do this, this, and this. Then you go, that's great. And then we show the location alert. The whole goal was to like, we want to convert, so to right. speak, like as many people to have this stuff on because the app will not work correctly without it. 
Right. And we didn't want to necessarily say that because you don't want to, you know, pose it as a negative. Right. It's like, here are the benefits to doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Still, there's stuff that we deferred. Like you add an, an item and then you decide you want to add a photo to it. Now we're going to ask you for access to your photo library. Mm-hmm. Not up front. Right. Because that's not mission critical. So if they could just do something that's not a UI alert view, that'd be great. Yeah, I just I can't picture what an alternative would be. I don't know. Like you need it, – it would be great to be able to put more information inside the alert. And alerts are just not good for that. If it was something kind of akin to like control center that sort of slides up from the bottom, mm-hmm. that you get a little more room to like explain yourself mm-hmm. and then get like a switch there, you know, toggle it on and off. Yeah. Devil's advocate, like most devs aren't using the reason part of that stuff anyway now. You know what I mean? Because you can't, you know, write a novel in there, but you can say, you can give a little hint as to why you're asking for permission for all these things when you do ask for permission. But most devs don't. Most devs just leave that blank. That should be, in my opinion, something you get rejected for. Yep. I don't even think you should be able to, I don't, there's no reason to not fill that in. None. Backwards compatibility. I can only, I can only, because that was something that they added later. But if you're building for, if you're building for a new SDK, it should like it should literally just be like an NS parameter assert <laughs> on their yeah. side of the API. Like it should it should crash. It yeah. should. I was just gonna out. say like yeah. if you try to use this and you have not put a reason in the p list for like you know some explanatory text, right. it's gonna throw an exception. Right. So during development, <laughs> you, yeah. this will not fly. Right. So the one thing that like I I threw it out on Twitter the other day, and I keep going back to it in my head and now it's like this thing that i'm obsessed with and i the more i think about it the more perfect of a solution it is or the more perfect of a solution i think it is anyway and it fits like it's one of the few times that i feel like something has actually fit i didn't talk about this already did i i don't i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) um so my my current big gripe with iOS development, like one of the big holes, not fe- at the feature level, but like at the actual productivity level, actually building apps, is consolidating colors between storyboard, between interface builder and code. Like we can, in code, we can move all of our color definitions to, for example, a, um, a category on UI color. And so we can have like Thoughtbot Red on a category. And then if we want to change that color everywhere that we've set it in code, we just change the definition of the, we just change the implementation of the category, right? And it changes everywhere. But that falls apart immediately once you get into Interface Builder. And then you end up with two choices. You end up with the choice of either creating outlets for every single thing in the view, whether you actually need outlets or not. You end up creating outlets for everything in the view just to set colors and stuff on them. And I'm not talking about using other libraries, right? There's other stuff that that does solve parts of these problems, but I haven't used any of them personally. And I've not, like, none of the the libraries have, like, taken the world by storm. You know what I mean? None of them have become de facto standards. So, like, the other thing you could do, so you either have to create Atlas for everything and configure everything in code, which sucks and is, uh, like, honestly, it's just ugly and it's just more code to have to manage and it's code that like you're looking at it going like this is stupid i don't i shouldn't have to write this code 
You either do that or you configure the colors in Interface Builder, which feels cleaner, you know what I mean, to configure them there inside Interface Builder. But at the end of the day, like if we do have to update what ThoughtBot Red is, then now I got to go through and find everything that I colored red inside Interface Builder and tweak the color. And that sucks. Yes. I'm at the point right now where the less of those two evils to me is configuring an Interface Builder just because I'm like, I want to write as little code as possible. I want to have to maintain as little code as possible. That's kind of where my head's at right now. But I'm totally aware of the suck factor with having to... (laughs) Having to, like, you know, if if the designer changes the color, having to go through and <laughs> do all that stuff in Interface Builder is just going to suck. It's not going to mm-hmm. be fun. So the kind of solution that I kind of threw it out on Twitter is kind of like a half-thought-out thing. And the more I've been thinking about it, the more and more it fits, is a asset catalog-like structure for colors and fonts. So move, take that same concept of t- a category on UI color and move it into something like a color set. You know what I mean? And inside that color set, it can even be part of the asset catalog as it stands now. And you could just create a new color set. And that color set could theoretically just have like add swatches, right? And you just add a swatch. And I just say, here's this swatch. It's this shade of red. Here's the hex value. You know, use a color picker or whatever to input the actual color. And then I give it a name and I just call it ThoughtBot Red. And now I can use, theoretically, like add a new color to UI color. So now you have UI color, color named, the same ways you do UI image, image named. UI color, color named, ThoughtBot red. And now I'm still using a string, but I can make it constant for that string if I really want to. Or you could still, you know, put it in a category. You could still put UI color, ThoughtBot red. Yeah, exactly. You can still put it in in a category. But the benefit there is that, theoretically, like obviously I don't know the implementation of Xcode, but... Theoretically, they already have some kind of JSON parsing stuff happening in there to deal with the image catalog side of this for Interface Builder. You know what I mean? So if I create an image set, Interface Builder knows about those images. So it's already doing some kind of JSON parsing. So what's to stop them from just adding a text field kind of thing to the color picker and doing the same JSON parsing and then doing the same kind of JSON lookup stuff? You know? Yeah, you could do the same thing with fonts. You could, I mean, fonts could get crazy where you could see where you'd actually drop the, you know, actual font files into the project. You know what I mean? Load them that way instead of having to do the, you know, the way you have to do it now. Yeah, that gets more interesting because TextKit is a beast. I don't know if you've explored it too much. Not really. I recently watched the session from last year's WWDC. There's a lot in there. It's really powerful, but... There's a lot of new concepts to wrap your head around. If we mm-hmm. could get some sort of visual editor for font descriptors that worked with that, yeah, I know the designers here would love that. Yeah, like because if we have designers in the project and they want to just like tweak the font, or you know, they upload a font but they want to tweak the particular characteristics of this specific weight, mm-hmm. you know, in this font, mm-hmm. like, and we can do that all visually, and then you know, have it as part of a catalog. Mm-hmm. Incredibly powerful. Well, and the cra- the crazy thing to me is that. I mean, this is a fairly big feature. I think this would be both of these, either either of these things, I think would be a big, they'd be a big deal to me. You know what I mean? Personally, these would be huge, like, holy crap, yes, thank God. Let me, how soon can I upgrade to the new Xcode so I can use this stuff? You know what I mean? That's, that's the level of features that these would be for me. 
and neither of them seem completely crazy to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still going to be over here wishing for native Vim key bindings, but I'm not holding my breath thinking that that's going to be something that Apple's like that. That doesn't seem like something that Apple is going to just add. You're never going to get that. No, nerd. I know. I know I'm not. I know I'm not, <laughs> but I can still wish for it. But that's my point is that this is not that, you know what I mean? This seems like a big feature that would be amazing that is totally within reason for them to add, especially given iOS 7 and a focus on typography and all this stuff. All that stuff you're talking about, about making fonts, doing, making it easier to deal with fonts, making it easier to deal with all this stuff, letting designers come in and, and like... You know, right now I can point a designer at like the category for Thoughtbot Red, for example, going back to that, and be like, here, you can tweak that RGB value. You can tweak that and change the color or install this Color Sense plugin, and now you can use your color picker to pick the exact red that you want there. But they still have to deal with code. They still have to deal with, even to make that even kind of remotely user friendly, you have to install an Xcode plugin, which is like a whole nother bag of worms, right? If I could just say, go nuts, here's this catalog, you know what I mean? Tweak colors, tweak fonts, do whatever you want to do. Auto layout's going to take care of it. Interfaces builder's going to take care of it. When we build, it'll all just be okay. That's enormous, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big, big, big change in the way we work. Yeah. And 100% for the better. I'd love to offload some of that stuff to the designers. Yeah. I mean, our designers here... I think it's kind of well known that they're full stack. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the web, you know, they're in there writing HTML, SAS, CSS, yep. all that stuff, even some JavaScript, right? Yep. That's that's what I want on the iOS side too. I don't want to just be handed mockups like Well, and our designers want that too. Like that's the thing. Is I, yeah. every every time I talk to a designer about doing iOS work, one of our designers anyway, that it's it feels like a step backwards for them. To have to hand handing off PSDs and be like, well, I hope that looks like I designed it. You know what I mean? That sucks. That sucks for them and it sucks for us because it's more work on our shoulders. So we move slower. It's more work for them because they're designing these high fidelity mockups and then, you know, slow turnaround cycle. Like they hand it off and then maybe I can get to it right then. Maybe I can't. But then they have to look at it and be like, oh, can you move this, you know, 10, 15 pixels, whatever. You know what I mean? Like tweak the view and then it's got to come back around to me and then I've got to make those changes and then send out a new build and blah 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 you know yep. anything anything to give the designers a better foothold into iOS development would be huge mm -hmm. this this is a specific gripe that I have like like the fonts and colors thing that's this is a very specific gripe that I have just based on this is an every app problem this is something I run into every single project is like every time I start doing colors in interface builder, I'm like, oh, this is going to blow up in my face. I know it's going to blow up in my face, but it's the better of the two alternatives. So fixing that to me, that's like a big pain point for me. So I would love to have that fixed, but I really anything, yeah. anything to have. It's, this isn't even like a quarter measure, but at least you can define custom colors in that picker and then keep using them. Right. Right. Which I've done, but that still sucks. Right, and it's still not what I actually want. You know what I mean? Because cause those colors don't travel with the project. They stay with my machine. Mm. You know what I mean? I want to define colors at the project level. I want to define, I want to say, like, here's this project. So same concept, right? Let me build a swatch. Let me build a, a palette of swatches. But let those track with the project. And again, like, once you apply them, they're set. 
And if you want to, like, updating that color, custom color in another place doesn't update it everywhere, right? Right. So those are the two things that I want, you know? I don't think that's unreasonable. I don't either. That's that's what I'm saying. I think it sounds I think easy. The, I, th- I mean, yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> that's the, easy for us to say. <laughs> I think that the, but I do think that the asset catalog, which I love, I think the asset catalog is a step in that direction already. And the asset catalog as a concept opens the door to these kinds of additions to Xcode and these kind of additions to our workflow. Yep. There's nothing else like the asset catalog in the entire system. The asset catalog is literally just a folder of folders with a dot extension, right? With a specific file extension. It's literally just a folder. It's not even like a bundle. Um, so it's just a folder of folders. And then inside those folders, there can be more folders and more folders. You can go down as far as you want. And then at some level, you get to a manifest JSON and files. You know what I mean? So like you get your image files and then a manifest JSON that ties them all together and tells Xcode how to, you know, what to call what to call them, basically. And that means you can do crazy things like edit those images in place outside of Xcode or just replace them on disk and Xcode just knows. There's nothing else that acts that way. Yesterday I was creating um, stub requests. So fake JSON responses. So I have like a folder. Um, in my directory structure specifically for these JSON responses. Well, I can't just create a new JSON response in that folder and have it be picked up by Xcode. Xcode just doesn't work that way. But you could theoretically edit the JSON and add images to an image asset catalog and just have them, they will just show up in Xcode. You know? Yeah. What else? Is there another one? You know, I can't really think of too much that I really want added to the framework anymore. I mentioned this a few weeks ago to you, that this year I'm more excited about language additions mm. than framework additions. And maybe it's just because I'm growing up. <laughs> like, I just care more about, you know, things getting added to Objective-C than the framework. Because I yeah. don't feel like the framework is the thing that slows me down anymore. Yeah, It's the language itself. It's, uh, it's doing the weak self-dance mm-hmm. <laughs> with blocks. It's the little things like that yep. that drive me crazy. Yep. So maybe we'll get some, I mean, we always do, right? Every year you get a little something. Last year it was modules. Especially since, I mean, the move to LLVM made that possible. That's kind of, I'm super interested to see what happens with like XE test stuff this year. Yeah. Because last year was totally like laying the groundwork for being able to iterate on that quickly. You know, get ditch all the legacy crap, start fresh. And let's, you know, now they can move forward with, with XC test and Yeah, so maybe like a pre and post run hooks for Xcode bots. Oh, God, that would be enormous. That would be well, huge. They, I mean, with, they own Brizzly now. So, you know, are they going to do anything with test flight type stuff? I mean, they already have some of that inside Xcode bots. Is that going to get better hosted? You know what I mean? Like yeah. hosted Xcode bots, that could be kind of crazy sign in with your developer account and you get access to i mean we'd have to rely on apple for another cloud service which is scary (laughs) and it's a cloud service that you know like we'd actually have to use instead of just support but you know that could be kind of nuts they have the personnel to make that happen in theory anyway so that'd be like what a nice middle ground between just running xcode bots on your machine and having like a Mac Mini in your office. Mm-hmm. It's running 
Xcode server. Yeah. Basically, basically like a hosted version of Xcode server that you just log into with your developer account. And yeah. And it can send out builds. You can run the dashboard. You could do that kind of stuff. I'd be okay with that. They're getting better at web services. Yeah. Slowly. I mean, does anybody really complain about iCloud anymore? Uh, I Well, no, I don't think so. But I think it's just because everyone's given up on trying to do core data sync. I don't think anyone's <laughs> when is less. So I haven't heard anyone complaining about Xcode or iCloud core data sync in a year. But I also haven't heard of anyone trying iCloud core data sync in about the same amount of time. You know what I mean? So, right. Uh, so, font and color catalogs. Yeah. Language editions. Testing stuff. I'm, I, I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm always going to be excited to see what they add testing wise to Xcode. Maybe public UI automation this year. Oh my God. That would make my life so much easier if they did that. That would be nuts. I'd be very excited. I did submit that as a bug, as a radar, and it got closed as duplicate, which. I'll take that over works as intended. You know what I mean? If, <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, like if they just closed it and were like, no, it's like, shit, okay. Yep. But, you know, close is duplicate. That gives me hope, you know? Yeah. Shitty as intended. <laughs> Shitty as intended. Closed. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just I'm excited to go out to San Francisco again. I think it's going to be fun. I'm excited to see people that I met last year. I'm excited to go to the conference AltConf looks like it's going to be cool this year, too. Excited. Excited for the whole thing. Yeah. Drinking at the W. Yep. House of Shields. <laughs> oh, be yeah. There. I'll be at the House of Shields if you need me. <laughs> Just look there first. <laughs> There's a good chance. <laughs> I'll be the big bald guy with the beard. <laughs> I'll walk over there and see if I can like reserve a table permanently. Yeah, <laughs> just kind of get one on a retainer, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like, so we're we're gonna publish this right before WWC, but so we're both gonna be there. Uh, all the Thoughtbot team, with the exception of Jack, uh, is gonna be there. Someone will probably be wearing a Thoughtbot T-shirt, so you know that'll probably be Tony. Probably be Tony. It's not that he likes more than free T-shirts. <laughs> um, did he say he was trying to get more so he can wear one every day of the week? Maybe. He has two Coca-Conf Boston t-shirts, and he, he's never been to Coca-Conf Boston. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. If you see us, if you see you know me or Mark or any of the Thoughtbot people, be sure to say, hey, uh, we'd love to meet you guys, talk about some stuff, have yep. some drinks. Absolutely. Yeah. Take advantage of our hospitality. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> So speaking of Jack, he just released a new screencast series under our Learn property for iOS developers. It's geared towards people who are new to iOS, but not necessarily new to programming in general. Uh, and that can be found at learn.thoughtbot.com slash getting started with iOS. All right. Uh, show notes for this episode are going to be at uh, podcasts.thoughtbot.com slash build phase slash 39. If you are going to be in San Francisco for WWDC, um, maybe give us a little heads up. Email us at buildphase@thoughtbot.com. We'll try to arrange a meeting or something like that. You can also contact us on app.net or Twitter, just at buildphase. And finally, we always appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. All right. I'll see you. Cool. Later. Later.